If you knew that this was going to be your final week, you knew this was going to be your final week. You had seven more days to live. This was going to be your final week. How would you live it? Where would you go? What would you do? Who would you want to spend it with if you knew this was your final week? So this morning, I want to speak on the subject, Jesus' final week. It was his final week, and he knew that. So everything he did that week was calculated. It all had a reason. There was a purpose. There was a meaning behind it. Now, one of the things so different from us and Jesus is that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. He was born to be the sacrifice for our sins. You and I, if you think about it, we're born to live. You know, we, when we are born, we want to live life to the fullest. You know, we want to get the best education that we can have. We want to make the right friendships. We want to go to college. We want to get a degree. We want to make a lot of money. We want to find a husband, find a wife. We want to have children. We want to have grandchildren. When you and I think about it, we are born to live and live life to the fullest. But Jesus was born to die. And he knew that, and we find that out as we look at the final week of his life. We knew exactly what he was getting himself into. So I want to read Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and we will send it back here shortly. They went and found a coat outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked him, what are you doing untying the coat? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut off in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, meaning Savior. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So this is Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. And one reason we call it Palm Sunday is as he descended into Jerusalem The crowd were taking their coats off. They were cutting palm branches. They were waving them in the air. They were putting them across for the donkey to travel. Jesus knew this was his last week, and this is how he had prepared himself to do it. So this happens on Sunday. He enters Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he stopped at the top of the hill, and he looked down into the city, and he wept. He wept because he knew the brokenness of the world that they live in. He, broke, he wept because he knew the effects that sin had had on their life. And he wept for them. There are only three times that we read that Jesus wept. 
Uh, Jesus wept as he descended into Jerusalem that day. He wept when he was outside the tomb of Lazarus, and he wept the last night of his life as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, asking God, if there is any other alternative than me dying on a cross, could we look at that alternative? And of course, God said, no, this is the whole reason that you have come. And so we look at his last uh, week, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, On Monday, Jesus clears the temple out. He doesn't like what's happening at the church house, and so he calls them out on it. They had forgot the mission of their church. They had forgot that the the synagogue, the temple, it was all there to help people understand God's love and God's mercy and their sin and their need for a Savior, and so he cleaned house. And you know, church family, if we're not careful, we can drift off to objectives and we can drift off into pathways that are not God's purpose and not God's plan for our church. So we have a mission statement to lead all people, all people, not just a few, all people, all parts of the world, to lead all people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do. We help people come to know Christ, to have the security of eternal life, to know that when they breathe their last breath, they'll end up in heaven. But to also encounter the wonderful life God has for them right here, right now. It doesn't have to just get better when we get to heaven. Our lives can get a lot better if we're careful not just to know Him as Savior, but make Him the Lord of our life and allow Him to lead us and allow Him to guide us. On Wednesday, apparently it was a day of rest. We hear nothing about what Jesus and the disciples did. On Thursday, it was a preparation for the Passover. In a moment, we'll share the Lord's Supper together. You know that story, he sends the disciples out to find this upper room and tell them what they need to bring, the kinds of food. And then that night, they have the Lord's Supper together, which is why we do what we do. On Friday, it was trial and crucifixion. So think about it. Good Friday... Jesus Christ willingly laid his life down. Now think about this. The very worst thing that could happen was at the same time the very best thing that could happen. Now think about that. The very worst thing that could happen. This is God's son, the creator of the whole world. And he is innocent. He has never committed a sin. He's never had a wrong thought. He's never said an off word. He's never had a, he's never done anything wrong. So when you just think about it, we know the backside of this story, but they were unsure of how that would happen. The very worst thing that could happen was at the same time, the best thing that could happen, meaning we would have no way for the forgiveness of our sins if Jesus did not give his life on a cross. So the very worst thing that could happen turned out to be the very best thing that could happen. So I don't know where you are in life today. You may be in one of the worst seasons you've ever been in. Maybe your business is not doing well. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're broken over the pathway a child is taking right now. Maybe your parents are sick and they're in the process of dying. I don't know. Maybe you're in the worst season of your life, but because of the resurrection, regardless of what you're in right now, this can be the best season of your life. Because you see, our Savior did not stay in the grave. He lives. 
The same power that raised him from the dead lives within us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you will trust God, if you will seek God's leadership and God's guidance, if you will be obedient to him in this worst season of your life, God will make it better and God will make a way for you to do that. Without Good Friday and the Resurrection Sunday, we could have no personal relationship with God. On Saturday, Jesus' bodies rest in the tomb. On Sunday, we, uh, Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the story of Easter. And I hope that you're here next Sunday as we continue to look more deeply in that. On Sunday, Jesus was raised from the dead. That's Easter Sunday. Throughout the Gospels, when they give the passage about sharing the Lord's Supper together, uh, there's this phrase called, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So before we take the bread, we're going to say this represents the body of Christ. Do this in remembrance of me. But before we have the juice, we're going to say the same thing. Why does Jesus and why is the Gospels tell us to do this in remembrance of him? Because you and I forget. You and I forget. We live in a busy life. Lots of demands, lots of decisions, lots of things that we have to do, lots of distractions out there. He knows that we don't have the best memory. We all have memory lapses. It's not just older people, okay? When was the last time you forgot to return a phone call? When was the last time you meant to stop by Kroger's on your way home to pick up something and you get home and you realize you didn't stop? We all have a memory issue. And so that's why we're told in the Gospels, this, the Lord's Supper is a, a way to help us remember what God has for us. I like the song Matt Redman recorded a long time ago. The song is Mercy. It's a ter- ter- wonderful song. Our group has sung that song before. But it gets at the end, in the last six stanzas are over and over. Here's what it says. May I never lose the wonder, oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. May I never lose the wonder, oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Because you see, we forget. And today is about remembering what happened 2,000 years ago for the forgiveness of our sins. I like to read the Lord's Supper passage from the book of Corinthians. It's one of the uh, cities... Corinth was one of the cities that Paul visited in 49, 52 uh, AD. Uh, One year later, he understands that the church in Corinth is having a lot of problems and a lot of issues. And so he writes back to them. And part of it has to do with examining ourselves for what we've come to do today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23, 28. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whoever, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. 
A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And we're reminded in 1 John chapter 2, too, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the world. So this is not just for a few people. This is for people all over the world who have come into a relationship with Christ. But he tells us to think about what we're doing, not just rush in it, but remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. You know, we, they sung a moment ago about the cross and about Jesus dying on the cross. And sometimes I think this is such a pretty picture for us that we forget there was a lot of pain and suffering. Can you imagine like this crown of thorns being pressed down on your forehead until it bursts through your skin and blood is pouring everywhere? Can you imagine a stake like this, a nail like this, being driven through your hands that held you, and then your, your feet cross, and another one through your ankles? Can you imagine the pain and the suffering that Jesus Christ went through so that we could call God our Father, and that God would be able to call us His daughters and His sons? So this is the time we think about His sacrifice and Friday, we remember Good Friday of him dying, and then the next time we gather in this room, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you think about it, without Christmas, there would be no Easter, and without Easter, there would be no hope for any of us. He is the hope. So do some personal reflecting right now before we have the Lord's Supper together. But just this thought. Have you ever wanted to have a relationship with someone and that person didn't want to have a relationship with you? Have you? Like when you were in junior high or you were in high school, were there ever some people, some girls, some guys, and you wanted to be friends with them, but they didn't want to be friends with you? I had that happen. You ever had that happen? You'd, oh man, that's a cool person. I'd like to really have a strong relationship. I'd like to be friends with them and have lunch and dinner and all these things. Remember when you wanted to have that relationship and you couldn't have it? Remember how you felt? Well, I've got great news for you. God wants a relationship with you. If you have never entered into that, would you do it right now? In a prayer time in just a moment. You may have thought about making this commitment, but you have never made this commitment. And you know in your heart you haven't. And maybe you've done that, but there are some other things you've not done. And maybe in this time of examination that you would say, God, I'm going to follow through on some other things. I have received Christ as my Savior, but maybe you've never made that public. Maybe you've never followed Him in what we call believer's baptism. Maybe you don't read Scripture. Maybe you really don't pray unless you get into a bind, a jam, and you need a lot of help. But this is just a time for each one of us in our own way to align our hearts with the heart that loves us the most. And that's God. So would you bow with me in prayer? We're just going to have a little moment of quietness. A little moment of quietness.
God, we're so thankful that what happened 2,000 years ago can still have the same impact on our lives as those who were witness of the crucifixion of Jesus and witness of the resurrection. And I pray for anyone in this room, a child, a, a teenager, an adult man, an adult woman, if they have truly never come to give you their life, to acknowledge to you that they are sinners and that they need forgiveness and they understand more clearly now that the whole reason Jesus came was to forgive us of our sins, that we could have a relationship with you and eternity with you. But not just eternity with you, but a different kind of life right here, right now. And I pray in the privacy of this moment, they would invite Christ. And God, maybe for some of us, We've invited Christ into our lives, but we hadn't been walking with Him very closely lately. It wasn't that we got up one morning and said, I'm going to drift away from Jesus. I still believe in Him, but I'm not going to follow Him. I'm not going to walk with Him. And God, there may be some in this room like that. We didn't intend it, but we've done it. And it's time we admit it and acknowledge it. It's time that we confess it and we ask forgiveness And we just ask for you to take control of our life once again and give us wisdom and guidance and give us a heart for you and help us to realize that there is nothing that we have done that you will not forgive us. We are your child. And so we just come to say, God, that we love you, but only because you first loved us. And now as we take bread, it represents to us the very body of your son, is we'll drink the juice. For us, it is a symbol of the blood that was shed. And God is hard to imagine, but according to what we read in Scripture, that is the reason Jesus was born. He was born to die for our sins. And so we thank him for that. In his name we pray. Amen. If you'll take the chalice that you received when you entered the worship center. If you'd make sure that the juice is on the bottom, we're going to peel back the top of the wafer first. So if you want to go ahead and peel that back and take the wafer. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, and this represents the very body of Christ that was given for us. You may eat. You'll turn it over. We'll peel back the cover for the juice. Jesus said, take and drink in remembrance of me. It represents the blood of Jesus that was shed. And the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And we have forgiveness of sin because of the shedding of his blood that we drink. If you'll just hold on to that, when we dismiss in a few moments, there'll be some receptacles out in the lobby for you to be able to, uh, to drop that in. Several weeks ago, I was called by a family in the church, their last name, Hickman. Uh, years and years ago, there was a lady who was on our staff. She also was a director of our preschool, but she was over, over children and uh, a baby preschool ministry for the church. 
name was Sunshine Hickman. Many of you might know her. Uh, she retired a number of years ago. She passed away a number of years ago. Her family called me. Her son did. Several weeks ago, it was a Friday afternoon late, and he told me I knew his dad, Jess. Jess Hickman was not feeling very well, been in and out of hospital a lot. I'd seen them in the hospital, prayed with them in the hospital a number of times. But he said, uh, David, is there any way that you could come? All the sisters were there. And uh, so I said, I'll be right over there. So we stood around Jess's bed. He was already on hospice. The, the hospice nurse had already come by that day and said she really didn't think he would live beyond uh, that day. And uh, he's not responsive at all. So they're just talking to me about it and, you know, possibility of his funeral and things like that. But they started having these memories. And then uh, one of them looked over on like the hospital stand that was by his bed and they pulled up a little nail, a little tiny spike. And they said, David, do you remember, do you know where this came from? And I said, he said, and before I could answer it, he said, about 10, 12 years ago, on a Palm Sunday, you gave out these little nails at the end of the service. Looks like little spikes to remind us that these were like nails driven in the hands of our Savior, the ankles of our Savior. He said, Dad has helped kept this all this time. And the, sick, the more sick Dad got, where he was not able to get out of the bed, he would take this nail, keep it in the palm of his hand, and he would put it over his chest, and he would say to us, my Savior, my Savior, my Savior. He said for weeks, he would hold that, my Savior, my Savior, my Savior. And what he was communicating to them was Jesus was his Savior. And that because of Jesus, his, his Savior, Jesus had forgiven him of his sins. He was on his way to heaven. But Jesus was giving him strength and comfort and peace and even joy while this was waiting. My Savior, my Savior, my Savior. So we're going to close with a song. As you step out into the lobby area, there's some uh, receptacles there that have baskets. And I'd like for you to take one of these nails with you. And I want you to keep it with you this week and maybe the rest of your life. But I want you to put it somewhere where you will see it. Maybe keep it in your pocket, guys. Ladies, maybe in your wallet when you're pulling out all that cash this week, it would be there. It's just a reminder that the Savior died for our sins. And because He died, you and I have hope in this life. And we have promise of eternal life in the life to come. We're so glad you've been a part of this. They will dismiss us after we have shared this time of worship together. Would you stand, join us as we close out?